The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The fears are paper tigers. You can do anything you decide to do. You can act to change and control your life. And the procedure, the process is its own reward. Amelia Earhart, American aviation pioneer. If you've been a regular listener of the Curvebenders podcast, you may be asking, where has Nor been since the last episode a month ago? I'm excited to share several updates with you on the book journey on this episode of the Curvebenders podcast. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curvebenders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curvebenders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Curvebenders podcast. Over the past 20 episodes, I've shared some ideas about this intersection of future of work and strategic relationships. I've had many guests share their insights, and I've teased you about a new book coming out. Well, it's now official. I'm excited to announce that Wiley, the publisher of my first book, Relationship Economics, back in 2008, and the updated second edition in 2012, will also publish Curvebenders to be released this fall. Let's jump into the key ideas in the book as I'm writing a chapter a week towards a September 1 manuscript deadline. Nothing like a red line in the sand, right? In this episode, I want to share key chapter ideas and invite you to come along the writing, editing, rewriting, the research, the interviews, and the production journey with me. It's an incredibly exciting time to learn, unlearn, and relearn. And what I've advised great leaders to do, executives with our client companies to do, is really use COVID-19, this global pandemic, as an impetus to rethink, reimagine, if not reinvent key parts of your business, and what better reinvention opportunity than our personal and professional lives. To remain relevant in the future of work, you're going to have to learn new skills, new knowledge, new behaviors. And for most of us, that's a linear curve. I believe certain relationships will dramatically change that direction and make it nonlinear, and those relationships I call curvebenders. So come along and let's review really encapsulation of the last several years thinking and research into this new book. All right. So as I think about the Curvebenders book and a glimpse into my planning, uh, number one, uh, I've mentioned for to many folks that books for me, uh, it's a journey and the ideas have to percolate. 
and I often start with a question. And uh, as you start to read, I, I, I dive feet uh, and head first into the deep end of an idea, and I start to just soak in uh, as much information I can about a topic. And then I start to socialize it and I start to talk to friends and talk to colleagues and talk to this inner circle of relationships that I have, that I like, that I respect, that I trust all around. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And what's beautiful about your network, and these are some of the really nuggets that I want you to take away from the session, is that they're, uh, the real authentic uh, relationships you have should be a sounding board, should be an incredible knowledge base, should be people that are willing to be really candid with you and tell you that's a really great idea, or nor in my case, what the hell are you thinking? So uh, it's a it's a iterative process, and the best way I can describe it is I'm taking a handful of mud and I'm going to mold a vase and uh, you know design it, develop it. Uh, you know, uh, put it in the oven, maybe burn parts of it, uh, but come back and clean it up and paint it and put it up somewhere where you can be proud of it. That's really the journey. So for the last several years, I've been really curious about this idea of future of work. Most of you know I'm 52. I envision working for at least another 20 years. So what will work look like in the next 20 years? And if this global pandemic is any indication we're all going to have to continue to learn new skills and pick up new knowledge, as I mentioned, and really also modify some of our behaviors to remain relevant. For most people, for even most of my own life, that learning has been a very linear curve. So if you think of a linear curve, bottom left corner to top right, like a 45-degree angle. Well, I've experienced this serendipitously in my life, and I got curious a couple of years ago of relationships that come into our lives. And they could be serendipitous, or I'm hoping we can all get more, and the, oh, the intent of the book is we can become more intentional. And if you can't predict the future, how can we more proactively plan for it? So relationships come into our lives that dramatically take that, take that linear curve, take that linear growth, and make it nonlinear. And in that process, they really elevate they accelerate, they elevate our growth, they elevate our thinking and perspective, push us to be in an, even a better version of ourselves. And what's fascinating in the research, so I have six grad students that are doing social science research for me, and I've had well over 100 interviews, and I've been thinking about this idea for the last two, three, four years. And what's fascinating is beyond what we aim to accomplish, what I've found is curve benders have the promise and potential to really define, in many ways, shape who we become. So it isn't just, I want to do more. I want to sell more. I want to you know, lead a bigger P&L or a bigger organization. These relationships dramatically change, I believe, our DNA and change things that we believe are really strategic priorities or our prioritized pursuits or the things that we want to not just accomplish, but who we, we want to become. So in many ways, relationship uh, economics was really set the stage, crazy to believe, back in 2008 and an updated version in 2012. And I, in there, I introduced this idea of intentional, strategic, and quantifiable business relationships accelerating business outcomes, right? That was the kind of defining 
uh, you know, really more strategic look at relationships. In Co-Create, my most recent book, I provided a canvas for the application of really strategic business relationships and this idea of iteration, innovation, and disruption opportunities. So how do we never use but capitalize on relationships to create things that we wouldn't even thought of or couldn't have thought would be possible? And I genuinely believe our future success won't be created. It absolutely will be co-created. In Curvebenders, and this is in some way my Star Wars trilogy, right? Relationship Economics, Co-Create, and in Curvebenders this year, I want to focus on a roadmap of how strategic relationships dramatically alter our growth trajectory in both its direction and ultimate destination. And in the previous episode, I talked about 15 forces that we've solidified into personal and into organizational and into industry that uh, are going to act as either headwind, tailwind, or turbulence in the future of how, not just work, but how we're going to live, how we'll play, and most importantly, how we're going to serve others. So the research has identified 15 forces that are going to heavily influence uh, you know, what we'll be doing, how, and where we'll engage our current and prospective relationships, creating value, and making a difference in the lives of others. And COVID-19 is an example of one of those 15 forces, and it's actually called the Black Swan Event, which is events, we knew what global pandemics were. We've had them before, we understand them. We know they're coming, we just don't know when they're gonna come. So if you can't predict those, how can you plan for them? How can you internalize those 15 forces and to remain relevant, plan for them by upskilling? reskilling, and redeploying your knowledge, your skills, your behaviors. Again, I want to reiterate, none of us can predict the future. And those who've done it, it just demonstrates what, in many ways, what a futile exercise that is. We can absolutely all plan our strategic path forward. So my goal is for the research, the interviews, the writing of this book to really provide the, the, the readers or the listeners of this podcast with a roadmap for your personal and professional, as well as organizational growth. And beyond that linear growth journey, I want to highlight these relationships that enable a nonlinear growth trajectory. So beyond, as I said, what we can accomplish, how do these people shape who we become? And these curve benders, and, and I'm anticipating roughly about 10 chapters, roughly about uh, 20, cha- 20 pages per chapter or a couple hundred pages to describe who they are, where they are, how do you find them, how do you engage them, and equally valuable, how do you become a curve bender and really impact the lives and livelihoods of other uh, others really profoundly. So my audience, and just so I'm clear, on, and, and I want to make sure you understand who I'm writing this for, are mid and large enterprise P&L executives and their influencers. They're entrepreneurs of growth-oriented companies. Uh, there are industry association executives, there are investors, there are private and public company board members. Those are the leaders that I uh, work with today and I you know, teach in our executive education programs and I really want to engage to think and lead very differently. It is not to say it won't be relevant to a broader audience. That's what I aspire for you to think about and really think about your own journey. How do I take my personal professional growth 
more proactively in my own hands and in my own control? And how do I think about some of these ideas and more importantly, relationships that I want to nurture, that I want to really develop much, much more proactively? So in the introduction, um, I, I talk about don't doubt ways. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've lived uh, in my town, in my in my city. I live in Atlanta. I've lived here off and on uh, since 1981. So it's crazy to believe almost 40 years. And you could say I've lived different parts of the town. I kind of know my way around. But several years ago, our family uh, committed to don't doubt ways because of the unforeseen traffic jams and the tree down because of the stir- storm. And even though it takes you through this ridiculous neighborhood, sometimes in the wrong direction where you feel like you should be going, when it brings you out to the other side, what you don't realize is that you bypassed all kinds of obstacles that were in your way. So uh, again, in the introduction, I, I talk about this idea of don't doubt ways and, uh, and, and really understanding your own journey from now to next. You cannot build a roadmap if you don't develop uh, some sort of a a compass and a journey and really think about how are you learning through this process. Um, one of the things that I that I that I talk about in the introduction is the global pandemic actually has demonstrated how woefully underprepared we are and how futile as I mentioned is the exercises of attempting to predict the future. So the future of work is a different game and you have to think about it very differently. Predominantly because all kinds of variables that are going to impact our world and our way of life and our sense of belonging and security and perceived value that we bring to every role, every responsibility and every relationship. Think about it a second. If I told you back in January of 2020 that a wet market or a lab, depending on your perspective, in Wuhan, China would shut down a roaring global economy um, that, you know, just going to shake up the worldwide supply and subsequently demand and would cause all kinds of industry sectors into you know travel, tourism, events, conferences, retail, education into this pretty much economic crater that over a million people worldwide would die and tens of millions would be unemployed all in a matter of a few weeks, you would think I'm crazy. But look at just what's happened in a few weeks and beyond the shock Now in a few months, many of us working from home, we figured out how to be productive. We figured out how to learn online. We figured out how to survive (laughs) 8, 10, 12 Zoom meetings a day, right? And we've adapted. By the same token, we've had to learn some new skills, some new knowledge, in some ways, some new behaviors. And that learning, none of us are born with it. So where did it come from? Think about it. How did you learn? How did you become more proactive with not just Zoom, but we're now using digital whiteboards for our highly interactive and engaging and immersive executive education programs where 15, 20 executives are all working in real time in the same digital whiteboard and they're posting and they're watching what we do and they try it. How did you learn that? None of us are born with any of this. Somebody else, some other way shows us. And I would submit those relationships beyond a transaction can have a a, a profound impact on your ability to remain relevant. So what's critical to understand is that learning and growth, very similar to relationships, 
are seldom derived from abstract buildings or logos or some analyst report. They're experiences between individuals. So a journey to learn new skills, gain new knowledge, and elevate your behavior, if done proactively, should include colleagues and customers and collaborators. And the impact, I would submit the impact you seek in really manifestation of the best version of you is going to come from changes in your behavior and how you engage and influence others. So a really good first step, a really good thing, if you haven't done this, and I do this a lot in my coaching, is really make a list. Make a list of your most valuable relationships. Make a list of your most relevant relationships. Make a list of who pushes you, who challenges you to learn and grow. And if you haven't touched base with them in the last 90 days or 100 days because you've been busy, this is the time. Use this podcast. Use this session to you know, pause it if you have to or at the end of the session, make a list and a commitment to reach out to them. And I would ask them, how are you doing? I haven't, I, you know, I've, I've done a terrible job staying in touch. Have you been? And what's going on with you? And beyond the initial shock of this pandemic, what are you seeing now? And what crossroad do you find yourself at? And I, and I love this question. Somebody else asked me this. Uh, you know, what seeds are you planting? What are you harvesting from the seeds you've planted previously? These are all, and I've, and I've said, you know, great relationships come from great conversations. Great conversations are going to come from Great questions. And this idea of curve benders, it's all about relationships, strategic relationships you invest in, who you uh, candidly, you don't have to feel like you have to impress, who are going to push you, who are going to challenge you, who, uh, as I've interviewed a whole bunch of executives and I asked them about their curve benders, would you believe the common thread is that curve benders see the best version of us? Even when we don't see it ourselves, even when we can't see it ourselves, they see the best version of us and they push us to get there. They push us to um, really uh, bridge this Grand Canyon sized gap between our intentions and actions between, you know what? I really should lose weight and get in shape, right? Reading about it isn't is too passive and it's myopic at best. So the journey of this idea of future of you, future living, future work of you, it, you know, has to start with you getting either really sick of, back to the weight loss example, uh, you know, when my pants get too tight, it's time for my lazy behind to get back in shape and, and, and recommit to I'm not going to eat ice cream late at night, right? So that commitment that it's a journey and that commitment is not just that one scoop of ice cream. It's how do I change my behavior? How do I change the way I think about food? And 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 that losing weight is seldom an event, right? It's an integrated ecosystem. You're going to hear me talk about that several times. Of the right education, a healthy diet, appropriate exercise, perform consistently. So one of the things I often talk about relationships is that beyond their creativity, the consistency in which you invest in these relationships are going to pay dividends in folds. And I don't see enough consistency. In, again, full disclosure in myself and others in nurturing those relationships that are critical to us. Nobody's going to be perfect. 
But if you make that list and you keep that list in front of you and no more than 20, maybe 30 individuals that are your most valuable, most relevant relationships that you want to touch base with, that you want to run ideas by with, you know, really think of them as an inner circle that, as I said, you don't have to impress. You can say, here's what I'm thinking, and they'll give you the candid response. Those are the people that are often going to see the best version of you. Those are the people that are going to be that right trainer or right access to a set of tools to accelerate your weight loss, to accelerate your changes in behaviors. No, we all know there are no shortcuts, and none of this happens overnight. And only when you make, when I make a lifestyle change of behavior over time allows me to not only just get to my optimal weight, but keep the weight off. And it's a commitment to real and lasting change. So very similarly to remain relevant in this future of work, you have to really get off the dime, really think differently about your personal professional growth journey, not wait for somebody else, and in many ways become uh, you know, the chief architect and the CEO of this life model that's going to shape your future. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about um, it isn't just work. As a matter of fact, I'm writing about four unique paths of work and, and living the way you live, making time to live, the way you play, incredible value and boredom because that's where creativity comes from. And with all these digital devices all around us, we don't get enough time to to really think and really do introspection and really be bored and really sketch ideas of where I'm now, where I'm trying to get to. So, you know, the way ways uh, differentiate itself from other, other tools was they integrated, uh, you know, input from over a hundred million active monthly users who provide critical insights ranging from potholes and, hazards to police locations and traffic congestions and accidents and construction and even weather. So this network effect, which again, I'll talk about the Benjamin Button strategy uh, as described by Scott Galloway, he's a professor of marketing at NYU Stern. Uh, and I talk about it in, in chapter one in more detail. That's an example of a network effect that makes that outcome more efficient, more effective, more impactful. And and the reason I want you to make a list of those relationships is for the same reason. Those relationships with an independent lens of you, your strengths, your upside, your potential, your growing edges, um, your areas that you absolutely have to work on improving, they all bring parts of the puzzle. They all bring that network effect. They all bring a different lens that you may not be privy to. So in the introduction, again, I, I build the case that these curve benders are going to come into our lives in really interesting places and interesting uh, parts of the journey. Uh, I talk about the transaction versus transformation. So um, some of you know I've, I've played soccer most of my life. My kids play soccer and lacrosse. And one of the fascinating perspectives of these really dynamic games, those who play them or if you watch them you'll soon realize that 90% of the game is played when you don't have the ball. And the best teams are comprised of players who are constantly scanning the field of play. And they're anticipating what's going to happen. And with several scenarios, you know they're thinking what's going to happen next. And the great players are masterful students of the game. 
and they can actually see the opposing team's play developing. And they're always thinking about where they should be. What should they be doing? How can they prepare to put themselves and their teams in the best possible position when they do get the ball or the puck? They understand that winning any of those games is about possession. It's about opportunity. It's about shots on goal. And they got to balance a, the best teams balance a really strong defense, right? Structure and skills and players with an equally robust and a creative offense. So again, look at the global pandemic. Most organizations, most leaders initially took a defensive posture, right? We cut. And some of it, let's be honest, was just, it was, it was needed to be cut. We've gotten, you know, too complacent in many ways because a roaring economy hides a lot of organizational flaws and in some ways leadership shortcomings. So some of the cuts was absolutely necessary. But I don't know an organization that can cut its way to growth. So beyond the initial defensive posture, really important for you as an individual, you as a leader, your organization to now also be thinking about an offensive strategy. Because if we don't get demand back, and I just wrote a Forbes article on this. If we don't look at sector variants, what are the sectors that are doing better than others and really fuel them while we try to bring others along? If we don't look at labor flex, how do we take some of our people and recalibrate, refocus their skills, their knowledge, their behaviors toward the industries that do need help? And if we don't pivot our capabilities with entrepreneurial thinking, the rest won't matter. And I believe the way out of this economic crater is to really get demand back. And demand back is part of a uh, an offensive strategy to think about, okay, where can we invest? Where would be a prudent investment in our growth? So uh, again, in the in the and we're just touching up on on the introduction, I talk about, you know, getting beyond transactions to really think about transformation in your life. I talk a lot about uh investing in uh, your infrastructure of your life, investing in tools and technologies and resources that are going to push you. Uh, I talk about enabling technologies that are going to change business models. I talk about um, this idea of a growth mindset. So Carol Dwick uh, is a Stanford professor, and years ago she wrote uh, the book Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And, and she coined this term of a fixed versus a growth mindset. I also introduced the idea of an S-curve framework that a lot of organizations use to really invest in and really benefit from those investments. It's a discipline to accelerate your growth and reach a maturity of something. Well, applying that to your personal growth, uh, an MG100 friend, and by the way, an upcoming Curvebenders podcast guest, Whitney Johnson, uh, wrote an HBR article, and years ago she wrote a great book, Disrupt Yourself, putting the power of disruptive innovation to work. And and I'll go further into the S-curve uh, and, and reinvention of you. And here's uh, one of the nuggets that I really want you to think about, and I'll certainly talk more about it. I believe the best possible time to really discover curve benders in your personal and professional growth journey are a handful of these points along that personal S-curve. I call those refraction points. So if you take a journey with me real quick back to high school physics, you, you did these experiments, and you may recall shining a light through the water or the plexiglass cube, 
and you saw the light change both its velocity, right, the speed, and its wavelength, so its direction. Similarly, in your personal professional growth journey, your head's down, you're focused on doing your job day in and day out, and this idea of continuous improvement straight towards your goals, objectives, and outcomes. That light that shines directly at something, although really essential to focus, there's no bend or flex at the entry or the exit. When the light travels along that normal to the boundary, it changes. It may change its speed, but not its direction. So phenomenal value in your focus of your work, in your focus of all the things you're trying to do day in and day out today, only when you change your approach angle, only when you change the direction of that light, it, brings, it, it begins to refract and show you different possibilities. Curve benders change our lens. And in the process, they change our angle of approach to solving a problem or addressing opportunities that are often right in front of us. So in the past, when you may have been stuck, a strategic relationship guides your not just acceleration through that challenge, but they also show you new possibilities. And again, you're starting to see some of that COVID tailwind right now where people are really discovering new opportunities for disruption. One of my clients is Samsung, and they've uh, launched an app that runs on their, uh, on, their, on their watches that will alert you if somebody's within six feet away. So six feet, in many ways, our social distancing is becoming our personal comfort space. Another client has eliminated their lobby, and they've put in uh, airlock system and UV lights to disinfect employees as they come in and really help them as they leave. Um, another client is uh, getting rid of a lot of the, the doorknobs and handles, and they're putting in motion sensors and hands-free motion for movement within their facility. I spoke to a CEO about a week or so ago that has roughly about 2,000, 2,500 people that come into their building, used to anyway, every day. And he said, you know, I, I realistically, I don't envision more than 50% of our folks actually having to come back to a physical office because, again, our productivity is up by some 15 20%. And we've learned, um, I'm not sure how sustainable that is, but we've learned that we can get work done remotely. And we're doing more collaboration and we're doing more, in his words, I loved it, co-creation than we've ever done before. So this idea of your personal S-curve and this refraction point and curve benders coming uh, and, and really changing your approach to something, um, I'm excited about. So, so again, a uh, lot of really interesting uh, research are coming together. I'm writing a chapter a week. So in the introduction, I talk about uh, don't doubt ways, as I mentioned. And really thinking about it. and the premise is by the time you're done with this book, not only are you going to have uh, understand this idea of a personal professional roadmap, but identify your refraction points. And you're going to have subject matter expertise on how to identify, assess, build relationships with potential curve benders to accelerate the trajectory of your life's compass. So... Um, I, I'm grateful for your interest in me, continued interest in me and my work. Um, as a summary uh, of this episode, 
uh, I suggested that you make a list of your most relevant 20, 30 most relevant relationships, reach out to them, figure out not just how they're doing, what they're up to, what's happening with them, but really share with them some of your aspirations, some of the things that you want to think about and do differently because of this global pandemic. And I want you to really think about your personal and professional growth. Just like we've learned how to adapt from, you know, some of us, you know, more efficiently working from home, others working from home altogether, you're going to have to continue to learn new skills, gain new knowledge, modify your behaviors. If your calendar used to be full with travel or face-to-face meetings, and what have you replaced that with? And I'm asking almost every executive I'm talking to, how are you learning? How are you growing? What's your source of unique and really interesting insights? Um, and by the way, this blending, you know, for a long time, we were worried about work-life balance. I think COVID has brought front and center that it's all about work-life blending and how to reprioritize the things that are really important to us and figure out how to do the other things around them. So thanks for listening. Uh, I hope I've sparked some uh, uh, intrigue in you. Uh, we've got some great, great, I've also been busy recording uh, at least a dozen uh, guests that I think you're going to be really pleased with. So uh, I appreciate your interest in me and this topic and look forward to sharing more with you in subsequent episodes. If you've listened to the Curvebenders podcast for a few episodes, you know that I'm writing the Curvebenders book on why strategic relationships will power your nonlinear growth in the future of work. This will be book number 11 with tools, ideas, insights, case studies, great interviews like the one you heard today. In essence, what you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in your future of work. I'm excited to begin sharing key sections with the members of our NOR forum community. So go to norgroup.com slash forum and check out the Curve Benders thread for more details. I hope you're as excited, if not intrigued, by this Curvebender's book as I am. Uh, I got to tell you, it is. Uh, it doesn't ever get easy, but it certainly gets easier when uh, you have a goal in mind and you hunker down and you start to really bring the research and the interviews and the ideas together. So I'm excited that I'm, I'm writing a chapter a week, uh, and I really am grateful for you coming along this journey with me. Our next episode will feature Ashish Advani, who is president and CEO of Junior Achievement Worldwide on the future of education. Uh, Not only is he a fascinating person, uh, but he's also a Junior Achievement alumnus and a lifelong social innovator with an absolute passion for entrepreneurship. Uh, He's a great guy, young family up in Boston, and uh, is part of the MG100 community. We had a great conversation, and I can't share it with you. I can't wait to share it with you on the next episode of the Curvebenders podcast.
I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curvebenders podcast. I want to keep producing great content most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm using the hashtag CurvebendersPodcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. Thank you.